0: This is Thrivecasters. Thriving, not surviving. Tackling youth issues that matter to you.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of Thrivecasters, where we'll be discussing how important is sleep. Uh, Your hosts are Ashley and Zakia, and we are joined by Lisa Artis from the Sleep Council. Uh, Lisa, it'd be lovely to just hear a little bit more about your your job role and uh, who you are as a person. Go for it.
0: Hiya, yeah, so I'm Lisa Ratis. I am Deputy CEO, Deputy CEO sorry, of the Sleep Charity and the Sleep Council actually joined forces with the Sleep Charity in July which was a really exciting time for us. Um, so we are now one organisation empowering the nation to sleep better, um, so we've got a big vision, um, we've got um, lots of exciting projects in the pipeline and we're going out there championing a good night's sleep.
2: So this week's episode, a study from King's College London found that over lockdown there was a spike in instances of poor sleep, especially among younger people, 16 to 24 in particular. And even before lockdown, the temptation to watch another episode rather than go to sleep is already there. So in this episode, we're asking why sleep important and how do we get those extra few hours? And hopefully Lisa can give us a little bit of insight on that. Right. So the first important question is why do we need sleep? the obvious one
0: (laughs) and it's a question that we always get asked but funnily enough you won't even believe this but actually no one really knows why we need to sleep um what we do know is that we actually can't survive without it um it is the third pillar of health alongside diet and exercise and it plays a really important part in keeping us physically and mentally well what we do know is that when we do sleep well we perform better in sports We do better with our schoolwork and our exams. We actually behave better, so we're more patient, we're less grumpy, less irritable. We look better, so when you sleep well, you've got your hair shinier, you don't have bags under your eyes, um, and it stops you getting lots of spots as well, and you feel better. So when we've slept well, we just generally feel like we're feeling fit, we're feeling sharp, and we're ready to take on the rest of the day
2: nice and concise but if that's the case if I'm looking better I'm feeling better and all of this then how have we ended up in a position in at least our society where sleep is the last thing on the list I mean it's under diet it's under exercise it's under job it's under everything you can think of how do you think we've ended up in that position
0: absolutely and and sleep is really undervalued and I think we've got to that position because the society we live in now is so fast-paced we we're doing so much in a single day now, more than we ever used to do, and the onslaught of technology has meant that we're so connected. Um, so we don't ever have that time to switch off anymore. Um, so not to sort of show my age or anything, but I remember when the t- the TV used to go off at like eleven o'clock at night, and that was it. We didn't have TV for the rest of the evening. You know, we didn't have the internet, and then when we did get the internet, it was dial up and it was horrendous. So you couldn't like you couldn't go onto Amazon and start buying things at two o'clock in the morning. So what's happened is we are using every part of our day to do all these things that we couldn't do before. And actually what we do find as well is that people will gladly try and wake up an hour early and so go to the gym um to exercise and we're like, well oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> You'll actually get more benefit from a good night's sleep and sleeping well than actually Setting your alarm at an extra hour early to get up, um, mm-hmm. just so you can go and work out. Because actually, there's research out that that shows you can't exercise to your full potential if you if you're sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. So it's really important, I think, that people do start to prioritise sleep again. And I think um, sleep trackers and sleep apps, when they sort of came on board, sort of maybe five years ago, like really started to come to the forefront of technology. They were great in a sense that they actually started to make people a bit more sleep aware um we we as a charity don't love them because we do find people can also fixate on them and they don't actually give accurate data but i think they can be used as a way of like people do with like diet and exercise just monitoring sleep just actually showing what good sleep habits are and just getting people to recognize that actually some of them now say it's time to start winding down for bedtime I think that's great because that's something that we're really really poor at doing winding down before bedtime we'd much rather be kind of rushing around um doing lots of different things or using social media and then kind of hopping into bed and hoping that we'll fall asleep straight away and obviously that just doesn't happen we do need to make that time for our brains and our bodies to unwind before bedtime
2: You're talking about how sleep trackers, they're a good start, but they're not the best start. So what kind of things are you trying to promote in order to get good sleeping habits out of people? So
0: firstly, I would always say to people that you shouldn't also fixate on how many hours of sleep you get. So obviously, you know, it's what's really easy with diet and exercise is with diet, you can tell people to eat five portions of fruit and veg a day. And you can just pick up that apple and eat it and you've done it. Do you know what I mean? With exercise, you know, we talk about 30 minutes, three times a week. So, you know, it's up to you to go out there and do that walk or that run or that cycle. You can't tell people to get eight hours of sleep because I might say to you that you must get eight hours of sleep. And you will go, well, I would love to get hours hours of sleep a night, but I can't get more than six. There's nothing I can do about that. So it's really important that we talk more about the quality of sleep people get. Um, you know, there is obviously this general consensus that, you know, a sort, of, a sort of young young adult, you know, would get eight to nine hours of sleep a night. And, you know, obviously that gives people a guideline and everybody likes a guideline to work towards. But some people will function really well on seven and some people might need more like 10. Um, you know, personally, like for me, um, you know, and I'm nearly 40, I, <laughs> I need I need nine hours of sleep. Um if I was to get six hours every night, I would not be a very nice person the next day.
2: <laughs> but
0: Same. people who gladly get by on six and a half hours function really well actually would feel worse sleeping for nine hours of sleep a night. So it's really important that we, we focus on quality of sleep. So actually it's much better to get six hours of good quality sleep than eight hours of like what we call like interrupted sleep where you wake several times in the night um, and you struggle with your sleep that way. Um, there are lots of things you can do and I think people should also look at, there are all these top tips out there and they're great, but not all of them will work for you and they're not all, you don't need to do all of them. Um, the best sleeper, Is somebody, if you ask a really good sleeper like what they do, they will say to you, I don't do anything. They won't, they really won't. They won't think about spraying lavender around their room. You know, they won't, (laughs) they won't probably meditate or anything like that. And they'll probably, they probably will use the phone before bedtime because they don't overthink sleep. And a lot of the time, most people struggle with their sleep because they, they start overthinking it. And it's awful. It's an awful vicious cycle because. We know how we feel when we don't sleep well and you know we do feel drained the next day and our brains are foggy and i think if you've had two or three bad nights sleep by the time it comes to the fourth night you go into bed feeling anxious you know you're already starting to think if i don't sleep well again tonight that's the fourth night i'm gonna feel awful tomorrow you know and it's it's a vicious circle really because obviously anxiety stops people sleeping but you can't stop that thought once it's happening um so I think it's really important that you look at maybe the things that are maybe why you're struggling to sleep. So if it is anxiety, you know you need to stop, you need to tackle that. So it could be about writing down your worries, or if it's um, if you're someone who's really busy and you've got lots of things to do, it could be writing down like your to-do list before you go to bed. It does actually. I know it sounds really silly, but you do feel like you've offloaded onto paper, so it does actually help clear the mind a little bit. I think people who are suffering like with anxiety around bedtime, you know, are really really good things like meditation and mindfulness and things like that. Now, like myself meditation and mindfulness doesn't work for me. Actually, it's more like to stress me out before bedtime because it's not something I enjoy. But I I I love reading. So I would use reading a book as part of my wind-down routine, as part of relaxing. But that again, that's not for everybody. If you don't particularly like reading, don't do it, do you know what I mean? I would say don't do it, do yeah. something that works for you. It's really important that we don't look at these sort of 10 top tips and think we have to tick them all off because actually that becomes a really stressful hour before bedtime that you go, I've got to read a book, I've got to have a warm bath, I've got to have a milky drink, I've got to spray, pillows, you know, lavender pillow spray, <laughs> you know, and it's like I've got yeah. to meditate in that time. It's actually, that becomes a really stressful thing. <laughs> it's really important that you you pick what works for you. So again, you know, like caffeine. Uh, Caffeine has no bearing on my sleep whatsoever, but I used to work with somebody who could not drink any kind of caffeinated drink after midday would impact on their sleep.
2: So it's a matter of finding what is right for you.
0: It is. And I know it sounds really kind of boring but actually completing like filling in a sleep diary is really useful in kind of working out what are the things that are impacting on you so you will know if you're drinking caffeinated drinks in the evening and they're the days that you don't sleep well maybe look at cutting that back to say five you know you don't have any caffeinated drinks after 5 p.m if that still impacts on your sleep bring it back to two o'clock in the afternoon it could be that for somebody doesn't exercise it could be actually if I put some exercise routine into my day, will I start to sleep better? Or you could look and go, actually, am I having my evening meal too close to bedtime? Am I having it at eight o'clock and then trying to get to bed at 10 and fall asleep? Actually, if you've eaten something really heavy or anything spicy or anything like that, your digestive system's working or overdrive and that doesn't, that's not conducive to a good night's sleep either.
2: So we're going to do a scientific investigation about what what I need to do to get the best sleep.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know it sounds it's but it is, it's looking at your personal, you know, your sort of personal lifestyle and sleep habits. You know, we're not all we don't do all the same things. It isn't just about what you do in the hour before bed, it's also like what you're doing through the day. So it's like what you're eating and drinking in the day, how much you're exercising in the day, how much Time outside have you spent? One thing what we found with lockdown was obviously because people were sort of limited at one point to having this like one hour outside going for a walk that was impacting on people's sleep because so they weren't getting enough natural light to kind of like boost their circadian rhythms and things like that, and also that we need that exercise also to kind of burn off some of that energy, you know, to get our sort of bodies working and all things like that contribute to sleep.
1: That's really interesting. And I like the fact that you talking about like, the functions of kind of like sleep. And, but I'd like to know a bit more about how does sleep impact our mental health? Because I know you twitched on anxiety and that's, and I, I have this myself before I'm going to it's like okay, let's wind down. Because <laughs> if I don't get enough sleep now, that's going to impact me tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But yeah, what is the benefit of having a good night's sleep and how does that impact your mental health moving forward in the long run as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sleep is 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 so linked to obviously your mood. You you know, you know that when you have one bad night's sleep, how you feel the next day. We just touched earlier about it It makes you feel a little bit impatient, you're 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 a bit you've got a bit of a foggy brain, you're slightly grumpier than normal, you know, you might snap at your partner or your friend (laughs) a bit easier. Um and if you think about if that rolls on and it's night after night of losing more and more sleep that just all that just heightens more and there is a really close relationship between sleep and mental health so lack of sleep can actually affect your mental health but equally if you've got any kind of mental health issue that can also impact how well you sleep so it's really important that when we look at both those we actually address both issues because they're very they're so closely linked that often you can't deal with a mental health issue if you're not dealing with a sleep issue at the same time and vice versa, because they are, because of the close relationship they have. Um, you know, We know that when we get good sleep, we're we sort of re- recharged, we're ready to face what life may throw at us. And it makes us more resilient. And we know that obviously with mental health, we start to become less resilient to things. And again, that's why sleep's really important because it just boosts that again. And it just, like it's, like I just said, it just helps us to face what life is throwing at us, whether that's to do with schoolwork or friendships or relationships. Um, we know that, you know, trying to cope with any kind of feelings of stress or anxiety is much more difficult when we're tired. Um, and that's because when we're stressed, it, you know, we we find ourselves struggling to sleep because it causes like hyper arousal. Um,
2: It's it's, it's, one contributes to the other and the other one contributes and it just gets worse and worse and worse.
0: Yeah, and often um, lack of sleep can be the first indicator of of a mental health issue. Um, But equally, (laughs) a, a a mental health issue can also be the first indicator of a sleep problem as well so I was trying to get it the right way around <laughs> it's a bit mouthful isn't it but yeah. they are so close that sometimes you're not sure which is the one that started first because of how sleep impacts our mood but also how when we're not when we, when we're feeling low or stressed we don't sleep as well so
2: it's it's a it's a circle and it needs you need to address both issues and you, is it so much that you've got to do it both at the same time. So if when I'm fixing one, I've, I've got to go with the other, otherwise it just won't work.
0: Absolutely. I think there wouldn't there wouldn't be very many instances where someone who, who is suffering with mental health will probably have some kind of sleep issue there as well. Um because sleep issues can be, take the form of many different things. So it could be it could be um struggling to fall asleep, so that's an issue. For some people it's waking up several times in the night's the issue. Or for other people, it's waking early. So some people don't always relate those things to actually being sleep issues, but they are. So if you find yourself regularly waking up at sort of 5.30 every morning, that's an issue. But that could be an issue because of a mental health issue. So it's definitely important that both things are addressed at the same time. It's almost, if you don't don't address them both, then neither is going to get better properly. Hmm.
1: So... Okay, because the world that we live in, everything is all about go, go, go. It's never stop. You have to keep on grinding. And I think, especially with a lot of young people as well, there's almost always, there's always, almost this mentality of if you're sleeping, you're not working hard enough. <laughs> especially when I was at university, it was like, oh my gosh, you're sleeping. Oh my God, you're not doing your essays. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. So I just wonder, like, how, how do we get out of that mentality? Because it feels like we're constantly told to work and not to sleep. I don't see many adverts telling me to sleep. I see many adverts saying, oh, maybe you should wake up at 5.30 and go on the grind, go to the yeah. gym, work out. And it's like, but I just want to rest. <laughs> so how, yeah. What advice would you give to people like that? Because it's almost like we feel guilty for resting. So yeah. What's your thoughts about that? Yeah,
0: no, I, I would absolutely agree with that. We have got this really sort of negative culture around sleep now. There's a lot of phrases out there like sleep is for the week. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like if I'm sleeping, I'm losing out on other things that I could be doing. Um, but actually, we need, to, we need to change that. And that's why for us... We want to try and focus on a lot of the positive messages around sleep. So actually, why rather than talk about, oh, if you don't sleep, it's going to kill you. that's so depressing. Do you know what I mean? And people don't want to hear that. So it's a bit of a turn off, isn't it? Whereas if we talk about the positivities of a good night's sleep, i.e., you know, it's actually going to help you um, do better in your exams. Therefore, it might lead to a better job and a better career and better money. Or it could be, like I said, you are just going to feel better in yourself. You're going to be able to take on the day. You're going to be able to meet your challenges. Um, you know, obviously you can talk about the look side of things. You know, you look better. There is a lot of research around how lack of sleep does com- contribute to obesity. And then that obviously in turn leads to like type 2 diabetes. So rather than actually going down the negative side of that, actually, that means talking about the positives, um, the other thing I don't think that helps is that we, we hear a lot of real like top business entrepreneurs who say they only sleep for four hours a night. You know, we've had Winston Churchill, Maggie Thatcher, um, I think it was Bill Gates and stuff. And they've all said, oh, we only, need, we, we only need four hours of sleep. Absolute load of tosh. Do you know what I mean? They don't only need four hours of sleep. Chances are they're probably having a nap in the day and they're not telling us. But, but again, that doesn't provide the right message. It's it's almost saying if you want to be at the top of your game, only sleep for a really short period of time because you need to spend the whole rest of your day filling it with all your entrepreneurial ideas and things like that. And again, that's not very helpful. <laughs> um, you know, we do need to change the sort of culture that it is as important as diet and exercise to health. That actually you. You actually perform better and actually you're more likely to succeed by sleeping well rather than trying to cut your sleep down. I don't think, like we've said, technology helps. Um, You know, Netflix actually said a couple of years ago that sleep was its biggest competitor, which is actually really sad, isn't it? Because, you know... I can't believe that, we, you know, sleep would come up against <laughs> Netflix. But basically, they want people to sit up and binge watch box sets. That's what, you know, they want people to pay their subscriptions for so they can do that. And obviously for us, that's like, oh, please don't stay up all night binge watching episodes. <laughs> and, you know, we've all been there. You know, I've done it myself. It's like, oh, because I've got the whole 24 episodes, I'm going to stay up and watch the next two. But we have people who stay up until way past their bedtime do you know what i mean i'm not talking by an hour or so. i'm talking if their bedtime is 11 they're staying up till two three o'clock in the morning because they're so engrossed in this drama that they're watching and they can just watch it um so yeah i mean I, i'd like to rewind time and go back when we didn't have all, <laughs> all this technology <laughs>
2: it's quite interesting actually you talk about people staying up way past their bedtimes but that's a term that we generally use when we're talking about really little kids yeah which is quite interesting because it's almost like so you're an adult now but you still have a bedtime and do you think that's something that we need to encourage that we need to talk about more and, and maybe make adults feel that sense of responsibility still
0: yeah absolutely and i think what we we always laugh as well because we talk very much about like bedtime routines and you know like and people go for goodness sake a bedtime routine is just for kids actually it's not because you can't expect to have been doing work at 10 o'clock at night and then get into bed and hopefully go to sleep you know we need that we need that hour before bed to, to relax and that's what we do with with children we say to them you know you stop playing with your toys you know you have you have a bath you have a book and then it's bedtime um, and it's almost like we should be doing very very similar thing you know we don't have to be bath and book but <laughs> you know but it's actually let's switch off all devices including the telly and do something else do something different or if you are going to watch telly make it something really like light-hearted but i would love people to just challenge themselves and just give it give it a go and just see if it does improve the sleep you know for some people if you sleep well just carry on doing what you're doing you know that's fine but if you are struggling with your sleep why why not challenge yourself in putting your devices away switching off the telly and actually doing things like having a bath or reading a book or meditating or listening even listening to some like soothing music um some people um find it really beneficial to do things like coloring so adult coloring books have become a real a real big thing haven't they because they're really sort of therapeutic and they they make you focus on something else um some people might like want to knit or (laughs) or crochet or I mean it's not for everybody do you know what I mean I'd be useless at knitting and crocheting um but some people might find that a really kind of a really lovely way of relaxing before bed so it is you know it's like when I said earlier it's about finding what works for you but trying to avoid using the screens and it's so easy, I think, to get into bed and just go, I'll just have another look through social media or I'll just check BBC News one last time or I'll see what the latest rules are on lockdown. Mm, is that the best thing that you want to be sort of di- like, sort of digesting before bed? You know, lockdown and coronavirus or I don't know. I mean, on social media these days, people share all sorts of stuff and not, some of it's not very nice. And sometimes you think, is that the right thing that we should be doing before bedtime?
2: I think it's quite interesting, actually, you bring up corona and and sleep is a perpetual problem, but do you think that lockdown has had, I mean, it's obviously had its own impact, but what specific impact do you think that corona's had on sleep?
0: It's really funny, I think there's there's been two camps of people. We've had a lot of people who haven't slept well, um, who struggled with their sleep, and that's been down to everything from, obviously, routines going out of the window for people not kind of having that normal sort of day-to-day focus of either school or work or anything like that. Um, But then we've had the other camp of people who, and I would say these are the sort of people, I don't know if you've heard of the terms we call them morning larks and night owls. So a morning lark lark is somebody who likes to get up early in the morning and likes to go to bed early. And when I say early, I don't mean like seven o'clock, but they're not somebody who likes to stay up till midnight. So they they function really well early in the morning, um, start to flag after lunch, and you know by six o'clock they're no good to anybody. And then you've got night owls who absolutely struggle to get out of bed in the morning, and really hit their peak kind of in the afternoon and work really well in the evening. Want to go to bed later. Oh. What happens is young people shift into that night owl mode because. As a teen, When you hit your teenage years, it's it's biological. You can't do anything about it. Your body clock shifts. So this is why young people, they get told they're being lazy because they won't get out of bed for school in the morning. But actually, it is an actual shift in their body clock that happens. And that's why they do. So they're not lazy. They are lazy if they still want to be in bed at like one o'clock in the afternoon. That is being lazy. But naturally, they need to get up early one or two hours later than they normally would have done. And they want to go to bed one or two hours later. And you will notice, people will notice if they've got teenagers in their house that there's just a sudden shift where they're not sleepy at nine o'clock anymore, they're sleepy at 11 o'clock. That's normal and that's why a lot of teenagers have actually not done too badly in lockdown because they've been able to sleep in later than they would do. So I have a teenage daughter who has to get up at like 6:45 absolutely hates it with a passion. Now in lockdown, has been getting up around nine o'clock because I've got up. I've wanted to get some a couple of hours of work done before they've got up. And then she's gone to bed later. But actually, she's been a much nicer person. <laughs> <I'm telling you. laughs> but she's been more productive, um, because and she's just been You know, her her mood is better because it's actually she's settled into her actual sleep rhythm. And what we do in teenagers and young people is we're forcing them against their natural body clock to get up earlier. And we want them to go to bed at nine o'clock because those adults maybe want to go to bed at 10 and 11 and want an hour or so without them around. Um, And actually, teenagers have done quite well in lockdown because they've been able to shift their body clock to what it should be and night owls as adults, so night owl people, have also done that, because they've maybe not had to get up, and have a daily commute to work, they are able to actually get out of bed a bit later, and it's fitted into their schedule better, I'm a morning person, so it doesn't really matter to me, but my husband's a a night owl, you know, he can, he can still be wide awake at midnight, whereas, you know, I'm falling asleep at 10 o'clock on the sofa, so, but it's interesting that We shouldn't, you know, we do try to force people into obviously a nine to five day um, because that's obviously where society is. But it doesn't always work for a lot of people. You know, that's why there was a big big sort of campaign and study down in London about trying to get schools to start later because young people are just not at their best at sort of eight, nine o'clock in the morning. They need to be starting lessons sort of more like 10, half 10. It never really got off the ground because obviously that does not fit with work life. So parents don't want their children to be going to school at nine because they're supposed to be in the office by nine, and they don't want them staying at school till six o'clock because actually they want everybody home to have tea. So it's a way to put it together. Yeah, and it's really difficult because obviously, as well, you know, if if you go on to college or university, then you you know, and then you get a job, actually. You've then got to be used to working, usually, a nine-to-five job. I mean, you know, there are people, obviously, who work shift work, but the standard is, isn't it, kind of a nine-to-five job. Um, so you don't want to you don't want to kind of get them into such a habit that they'd ever, ever want to get back up again at seven o'clock in the
2: morning. <laughs> I've had an absolutely wonderful time having this conversation. Um, we do actually have to try to wrap up. Um, so... Um just a last little bit. Um, any final tips, any recommendations that you want to make to young people about prioritising sleep and getting more sleep?
0: I think what I would say is that sleep's really important. It's you know it's important to all aspects of life. Um, you know, we should consider it as important as diet and exercise when it comes to looking after our health and well-being. And we because we realise that teens are almost they're almost unique in the fact that we were just talking about their sort of biological clock, you know, their body clocks uh, changing, and they, they're at a period of their life where, they, where they've got hormones, they're growing and they're developing, but they've also got the pressures of school and revision and exams. We've actually um, developed a, a teen sleep hub website, which is it's aimed at teenagers, and it means that it's not aimed at the parents, so it's talking to them about things that they can put in place, strategies that they can put in place. We talk about sleep diaries, we talk about body clocks and why it's, why it's okay to like, want to sleep in the morning, why that's not wrong to feel like that. We look at like why sleep's important, You know the processes that you go through when you sleep so that they can be armed with the knowledge and the education around that. I think if we can educate young people, they will keep those habits as they enter adulthood. I mean, you know, obviously we do a lot of work with children as well and it does show that early intervention does work and we carry any habits that we do through to adult life. So I think any teenager or young person who is looking at their sleep will become educated and aware and actually carry that through so that they'll be be mindful as they grow older about things that they can do to help their sleep. And obviously realise why sleep's a priority and why why it needs a value in society as well.
1: Thank you so much for joining (laughs) us today. And I definitely think that we've learned a lot about, yeah, the functions of sleep, how we can get a better night's sleep, and also as well, how we can kind of implement that from this age and obviously people who are watching who are younger and how they can implement it into their, their daily life and kind of keep it going into adulthood as well, just to kind of have a better holi- better holistic lifestyle, which is really cool. Um, so if people want to know more about you, where can they find you? Plug all your social media platforms. Go for it. Abba. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so you can find the sleep charity um, or we're on facebook we're on twitter we're on instagram as the sleep charity um, we obviously have the sleep charity website um, and as i said from next week we're also launching our teen sleep hub website so that's teensleephub.org.uk and on that as i said it'll be packed full of information aimed at teens including
1: a downloadable ebook as well brilliant thank you everyone for listening as well don't forget you can follow us too you can learn more about what we're doing by following us on at on Point wm on instagram and twitter and also following the hashtag thrivecasters and let us know what you think about our episode which is how important is sleep and yeah stay tuned uh, thanks for tuning in and we we'll be back soon with conversations that matter to you